Thank you for downloading this podcast from Awakening Church. All right. <clears throat> so good to be with you guys. Uh, so grateful for that. You guys can be done. You're good. Wes, would you do me a favor and turn that around? Thanks. Hallelujah. Isn't it good to be in the presence of the Lord? Amen. Well, we're so glad that you're here and uh, so thankful for what God is doing. And um, how many of you are thankful for a mama that will get up and, and just help us out? Amen. Those of you that aren't thankful, we need to be thankful for that. Hey, listen, I was reading the other day. I was reading the other day about Deborah in Judges. And she wrote a song after her triumph with Barack. And in the song, it says, and there arose a mother. And if you go to the other page in my Bible, about the same spot at the end of the song, it says, and there was rest in the land for 40 years. See, sometimes in our culture, and it's really been perpetuated in, in the church, um, the idea of, of just fathers and a male-dominant area. Uh, do you know that when, when God made Eve, he did not take her from his head or his feet? So he didn't take her so that she would be above him or that she would be below him. He took it from his side so that she would be right beside him. And, and I'm grateful for a, for a mother who will get up and say things that I don't have to say. That's amazing. I love that. So we love you, babe, and we're grateful for your voice and so thankful for that. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, so Rebecca mentioned we didn't find out until uh, yesterday morning that Rick would not be able to come. Of course, we were all super bummed and... Um, I'm sure that you are too. So uh, what you're going to get today are, are some of my musings over the last several months, um, what I've been learning. Um, I have been praying this very small prayer for a very long time now. Lord, teach me about your mercy. Teach me about your mercy. And... Um, one of the things you'll find at Awakening, those of you that, that are not part of, of this local body, one of the things you'll find is that we are on a journey to have a right perception of who God is. And um, one of the things that I am learning uh, is about his righteousness and his mercy and my identity as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so I'm going to talk to you today about mercy and it, it is my conviction, it is my conviction that as we pray for a third great awakening, as we pray for revival to be released, it will only happen to a company who is able to see God rightly. If you cannot see him rightly, he will not steward those things to you to be mishandled. Does that make sense? That if you cannot see him correctly, he will not, Stuart, in his grace, he will continue to teach you, but he's not going to release the fullness of what's available for us to mishandle. Is that, is that okay? All right. So I want to start by reading a statement that, that I wrote down. A, a, few, a few weeks ago, I, I started talking to you about the fact that 
all of my life, specifically in ministry, but really all of my life being raised in church uh, as long as I can remember, I had a justice consciousness. I was conscious of justice. If something happened, someone did something wrong, there had to be justice. God had to bring justice, right? Part of that was uh, just the, the, the way that, um, that leaders and, and the way that the church in general had uh, proclaimed the gospel. And, and part of that was because there was not a fullness of the gospel that had been preached. And, and much of my life, I thought that being saved and being the righteousness of God was my ability to manage my sin better. Okay? Managed depravity is what a whole lot of the church deals with. And, and, and so um, I, I wanted to, to break that idea, but, but everything was justice conscious. The, in the way that I led, I look back at the way that I, I led in, in times, and it was, okay, there, there has to be justice. But, but here's the thing. Jesus paid the price to bring justice on the cross. I don't have to do that, and no one else has to do that or help him. His blood was enough right? Okay. So because of the, because of the shift in me over the last few years, I'm now beginning to look at things through a righteousness context and I'm seeing even the parables of Jesus. And listen, I have studied the Bible, seriously studied the Bible now for probably, I'm going to say at least 22 but, but probably 25 years legitimately have studied the Bible. And I've read the words of Jesus and I've read the gospels over and over and over again. As a matter of fact, I can't tell you how many times I've read the book of John. It's my, it happens to be my favorite gospel. I mean, I have just read that over and over and over again. Those of you that have been with me, you have read that over and over and over again because that's been where we, we have, have been. Um, and I am seeing even his parables from a righteous consciousness and not a justice consciousness. And it's literally changing the way that I think and the way that I view. I, I, I said this to Rebecca the other day, and I'm joking. I don't want to freak you out for real. But I told her, I said, listen, I don't even know what I believe anymore. That's, that's where I'm at. He is so he is so uprooting some junk, and I'm finding out. I, I think I told y'all the other day. I'm finding out that I used to be able to. I used to, in a justice consciousness, I used to be able to look at the stories and say, "Man, I would never be like the Pharisees." But now, in a righteous consciousness, I'm like, "Daggone, I'm such a Pharisee," <laughs> and I'm having to have these things uprooted and and pulled out of me. And I'm like, "Oh my goodness, I, I didn't know that that was still there. I didn't realize that." Rel- Religion had told me how to operate in religion. It told me so many things. And, and so I'm beginning to see things from a different consciousness, okay? So I, I wanted to set that up. This is what I wrote. My justice conscious covered the windows of mercy and would not let the light of the gospel shine in full strength. Let me read that again. My justice consciousness covered the windows of mercy and would not let the light of the gospel shine at full strength. This was based in fear and a misunderstanding of God as judge. This was based in fear and a misunderstanding of God as judge. In my justice consciousness, I looked at the Old Testament and said, how can you read the Old Testament and see God as good? Anybody ever struggled with that? How can you read the Old Testament? You understand the penalty in the Old Testament was death. 
I mean, it's good reading. Seriously. You do something wrong, you die. That's just how it happened. You know, the earth's going to swallow you up. Something's happening. You do something wrong. The penalty is death. You know, I, I love, 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 love reading David when he's like, God, I want you to get my enemies. And I, you know, you know, and, and, and he says all these things. He's like, I, I want you to, I want you to let me watch when you get my enemies. You, you know what I'm talking about? It's that whole justice consciousness. And, um, and, and, and so I, I've read over and over again, I've, I've read these ideas and, and thought that, man, how do we go from Old Testament to New Testament and say that God is good? And I'm realizing that I missed the boat and I can't wait to share you, share with you some of the stuff that I feel like the Lord is, share, is, is showing me. I want to dispel today the narrative that God was not good or merciful in the Old Testament. And I'm going to start by this phrase right here. Our definition of judge is different than God's. Our definition of judge is different than than God's. I've, I've said this numerous times. Often we look at the Bible and believe it was written for North America, Louisville, Kentucky in 2019. Right? Oh man, and so we'll apply our logic to that. And so when I say judge, what comes to your mind? Being in a courtroom, a black robe, right? First of all, they didn't have black robes back in the day. We made that up, right? But how did we get to that perception of God as judge? What it did is it hindered our view of him as Abba. It hindered our view of him as daddy because all we could do was see him as judge, right? We love to talk about the family of God and his kingdom family, but at the end of the day, we think he is a judge who's waiting for us to mess up and waiting for us to step out of line so that he can correct us. And I want to show you that he never dreamed about that as judge, okay? When he thought about judges, this changed my life. This idea right here changed my life. I was, I was listening uh, to, to Damon, and, and, and he mentioned this one thing. When he thinks about judges, he thinks about people like Samson. He thinks about people like Deborah. He thinks about people like Ehud. And, and I'm going to show you in Scripture, man, when, he, when, when I heard that, it sparked something in me, and I said, oh, my goodness. I have, I have missed this whole thing and thought of him as judge in a black robe in the Abraham Lincoln chair, right, in Judge Wapner's courtroom, you know, and he's, he's about to bring the gavel down, but that's never what happened. And I'm going to show you over and over and over again in Scripture, and then we're going to jump into what the Lord is saying about mercy. Is that okay? Are you ready? Okay. So I'm going to give you these Scriptures. You can write them down um, if you want to because I'm going to go pretty quick. I want you to see this. Judges 2.11. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baals. Judges 3.7. So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served Baals and Asherah. Judges 3.12. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Do y'all see a pattern here? Judges 4.1. When Ehud was dead, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Judges 6.1. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of Midian for seven years. Judges 10.6. 
Then the children of Israel, again, did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the people of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines. And they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. Judges 13, 1. Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. You see the pattern that over and over again, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. Let's look at Judges 2, 16 through 18. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Man, I feel that. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do so. And when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. I want you to see that over and over and over again, they rejected him. They did evil in the sight of the Lord and nevertheless, he raised up judges to deliver them. How did we get to the spot that if we... Are, 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 are in this, this thing called Christianity, if we are in this thing that is called serving the Lord, that he is a judge with a black robe waiting for us to mess up so that he could end the whole thing. Where did we come up with it? I'm telling you, I believe, I, I know there's all kinds of, this is a hot topic right now, vaccines, right? Vaccines are a hot topic. But I'm telling you what the enemy does did is he vaccinated the body of Christ. He gave just a weak enough strain of Christianity so that we would miss the real thing because of religion. And we somehow built on that our perception of who God is. Nevertheless, he raised up judges. He raised up judges to deliver them. And I want to tell you today that mercy is God's character. It was his character in the Old Testament. It's his character embodied in Jesus in the New Testament. And we have got to learn, we have got to get to the place to where we realize that the mercy of God is greater than anything that we have ever done. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, I'm sorry, chapter 9, verse 10. Chapter 9, verse 10. Matthew chapter 9, verse 10. This is in the Passion Translation if you're going with me, Daniel. Later, Jesus went to Matthew's home to share a meal with him. Many other tax collectors and outcasts of society were invited to eat with Jesus and his disciples. When those known as the Pharisees saw what was happening, they were indignant. And they kept asking Jesus' disciples, why would your master dine with such a lowlife? When Jesus overheard this, he spoke up and said, healthy people don't need to see a doctor, but the sick will go for treatment. Then he added, now you should go and study the meaning of the verse. I want want you to show mercy, not just offer me sacrifice. For I have come to invite the outcast of society and sinners, not those who think they are already on the right path. Listen to me. He's quoting Hosea chapter six, verse six, that says, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. When I read this last night, oh my goodness, 
it opens something up for me that I've never seen at all in the Old Testament. Jesus tells the the Pharisees, the ones who are complaining because he's showing mercy to those who are full of sin, the low life, the outcast, whatever you want to say. They're complaining. They do this again in uh, Matthew chapter 12 when the disciples are walking through the grain fields and they're hungry and they break off and eat a little bit of grain on the Sabbath. They do the same thing. Jesus quotes the verse again. I wish you understood what it meant to show mercy and not just give sacrifice. Okay, so, so Hosea is prophesying what the Lord is saying and calling Israel to repentance. And he's telling them, I wish you would learn how to love and show mercy and not just offer me sacrifices. And I wish you really knew God. I wish you really knew God. Why? Because forever in the Bible, I want you to hear this, forever in the Bible, mercy was never equated to sacrifice. If mercy was equal to sacrifice, then they could have upped the ante on the sacrifice to receive more mercy. If mercy today was equal with sacrifice, you could up the ante and work harder and obtain more mercy, but you cannot do that. It was never, ever connected to sacrifice. But when I read this, he said, I wish that you would show mercy and that you not sacrifice, not, not, I don't, I don't, I don't want your sacrifices anymore. Do you know that there's scriptures in the Old Testament where he says, I hate your solemn feasts. I hate the feasts that you do for me because you do them with wrong motives. I hate the fact that you come to, to this, this feast, this worship service, this gathering, this corporate gathering, and you do it with the wrong motives. He said, I'm over that. I don't want your sacrifice. I want your heart. He, he told Isaiah, he said, when he's proclaiming a fast, tell them to rend their garment, or to rend their heart, not their garments, because they would put on a show and say, hey, I'm fasting. Oh my goodness, I'm in sackcloth and ash. He said, listen, I don't want to see your garments torn. I want to see your heart torn. But this is what I saw. I saw for the first time the sacrificial system, what he was really trying to establish in the Old Testament. Watch this. I wish that you would show mercy, not sacrifice. I wish that you would show, show mercy, not sacrifice, and that you would have knowledge of God. That's what I wish you would have. What is he saying? He's saying that the sacrificial system that he set up was not so that once a year the priest would come and sacrifice the animal, put the blood on the mercy seat, everything would be forgiven so that you could go jump back into the same junk the, same, the next year and do it over and over and over again. But hey, every year there's going to be a sacrifice. Every year there's going to be blood that's going to go on the mercy seat. And you could do, no, no, no. He's saying, I wish that you really knew God because the sacrifice was actually supposed to bring you closer to him so that you would know him to keep you out of the same stuff year after year after year. But because we didn't understand what mercy is, we thought, I'm going to go to him and I'm going to ask him to forgive me and I'm going to ask him to do this. And But now I've messed up again, so I can't continue to go after him. Why? Because we didn't understand that mercy actually changes things. Mercy actually brings adjustment. Mercy, I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show you this. It, it, it blew my mind that he was setting the sacrificial system. And listen, I know enough about theology to understand that the sacrifices were pointing to Jesus. I get it, right? But I'm saying year after year after year after year for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, they would go and once a year, the priest would make the sacrifice. And I'm saying what Jesus was saying to them and what he was saying through Hosea is, listen, if you could understand that what happens is that sacrifice brings you near 
The sacrifice brings you close and it's my mercy. Do you know that when God told Moses to build the Ark of the Covenant, he tells him all of these things, you know, build it to this specification, put the rings there, put the bars through the ring, build the mercy seat, build everything, the cherubim over. Do you understand that when he's done with that, he says, and at the top of the mercy seats where I'll meet you. He didn't say, I'll meet you at the altar. He didn't say, I'll meet you because you have built this wonderful edifice to, to hold me. He, he didn't say that, that I'll meet you in the burning bush again. He said, at the mercy seat, I will meet you at the mercy seat. It was always meant for us to meet him at the place of mercy. It was always meant for us to meet him at the place of mercy. Encounters with real mercy always produce change. I want you to hear this. Any idea of mercy that does not produce change is inferior to the reality of what Jesus taught and what God instituted even in the Old Testament. Any idea of mercy that does not produce change is inferior to the reality of what Jesus taught and what God instituted, even in the Old Testament. Ryan, why do you keep talking about this stuff? Because I'm sick of the game that religion played with us and the religious routines that we went through over and over and over again and kept us in sin cycles and kept us moving along in these places where we were trying to manage our sin better because we thought it was on us. And I'm telling you that if you encounter the real mercy of Jesus, it changes everything about you. It changes everything about you. If we go a little further in Matthew chapter 9, if we go down to verse 27, as Jesus left the house, two blind men began following him, shouting out over and over, Son of David, show us mercy and heal us. And they followed him right into the house where Jesus was staying. So Jesus asked them, do you believe that I have the power to restore your sight to your eyes? They replied, yes, Lord, we believe. Then Jesus put his hand over their eyes and said, you will have what your faith expects. And instantly their eyes opened. They could see. Then Jesus warned them sternly, make sure you tell no one what just happened. But unable to contain themselves, they went out and spread the news everywhere. Here's some really interesting stuff about blindness in the Bible. Almost every place that you see it, it says that Jesus restored their sight. So how do you restore something that's not there or wasn't there once before? It's a picture to let us know that they could see at one point, but they couldn't see correctly. I want to ask you this. How does two blind men follow Jesus? How do two blind men follow Jesus? I'm going to tell you how. Mercy sounds different. Mercy sounds different. What are you talking about? They were asking for mercy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you got to read the whole story. This was the same day on the tail end of him healing the woman with the issue of blood. This was the same day that he walked to Jairus' house and told them to get out because the girl was just sleeping. Oh, watch this. When he walks in, read it in Matthew, when he walks into the room, they're playing funeral songs on their flutes, and he says, you've got to stop 
because she's only sleeping. They're playing funeral songs. That's what the blind men heard. They were in the vicinity and heard the funeral songs change when that little girl got up from funeral to celebration because she wasn't dead anymore. They heard the change. They heard what mercy really sounded like, and they began to follow the sound of mercy. I'm telling you, don't ever sell yourself short to follow church programs. Don't ever sell yourself short to follow religion. Find what mercy sounds like and follow that all the days of your life, but it's going to be difficult. Do you know why? Because it's chasing you down, according to David. Mercy and goodness are following me all the days of my life. But how could blind men follow Jesus? It's because mercy sounded different. They heard a change. They heard something different. Here's the next thing that they did. They did not stop their pursuit of Jesus because of their deficiency. They did not stop pursuing Jesus because they were blind. They did not stop pursuing Jesus because they couldn't see correctly. They did not stop pursuing Jesus because there was some deficiency. You know, it really drives me nuts, actually. We don't even know their names. We just know that they were blind. We don't know the woman with the issue of blood. We don't know her name. We just know she had an issue. The man with the withered hand, we have no idea what his name is, but we know he was broken, right? Because society, culture, and even religion want to keep you contained because of your deficiency. But these men heard something different and did not allow their deficiency to stop their pursuit. Here's the next thing. Jesus says to them, you will have what your faith expects. I want to know, do you have faith for mercy or just for justice? Do you have faith for mercy? Do you have faith that the mercy of God, that when you really encounter his mercy, it can literally change you? Or are you happy just going through life the same way? I love it. I come to church and everything's so great. I go Monday and the devil beats my brains in because I've not really accepted. Listen, I'm telling you, I've lived those cycles. I have lived that junk. Where on Sunday, I'm doing the deal. And most of the time I was leading the service, but I get to Monday I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't know if I can make this. I'm telling you, it's because I didn't really understand what he was doing in me and I thought it was still based on what I could do. And so it kept me on spiritual probation and I wouldn't approach him because I didn't understand his mercy. I didn't understand what he was extending to me. But every day he wants to meet me at the place of mercy. He wants to meet me at the place of mercy. Jesus said, you'll have what your faith expects. Do you expect mercy? Or do you expect justice? Here's the next thing. Instantly, their eyes were opened because mercy gives you new eyes. Mercy gives you new eyes. You want to know what mercy looks like and not justice? You look at the face of your child. You know how easy it is for us to look at something that happens on the news and condemn the person who created the heinous act, condemn them to hell. We have condemned people to hell so many times in the church that it's ridiculous. And you look at that and you say, my goodness, I can't believe anybody would do that. They deserve to have the book thrown at them. They deserve to be put under the jail. They deserve all this stuff. I just want to know, would you say the same thing if that person looked like your child? Or would you sing a different tune?
And that's what mercy looks like. Oh, they've got to pay, do they? Or did Jesus pay? Right? Come on, I'm talking about in the church. They've got to pay. There's always going to be consequences. Listen, listen. Oh, my goodness. I can't tell you how many times I have sat by myself saying, God, this must be a consequence because of something I did. And I, I, what, what can I do? What can I do to pay penance? What can I do to get out of this? How can I get over this? And he says, I just want to meet you at the mercy scene. I just want to meet you at the mercy scene. I'm going to read one more scripture and I'll be done. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 through 24. If you have really experienced the anointed one and heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. And he has taught you to let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man. And that's good. The old self life, which was corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring from delusions. You see what he's talking about? He's talking about having a different thought process. There have been delusions in my mind because of a justice consciousness and not righteousness or mercy. Now it's time to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you and to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within you as your new life and, in, and live in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness and you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. He has recreated you. You were not born again into sin management just a little better than before you were born again. You were not born again into the fact that you're one day away from getting back into the junk. You were recreated into a whole new person so that you could walk in holiness. Wow. And that, my friend, is the gospel. And that is the mercy of God. This is what I'm asking. I want to be set free from the delusion of being blinded by a misrepresentation of the justice of God that causes me to incorrectly see the mercy of God that brings transformation. Do you know how many people the church have run off because we had a justice consciousness? But I'm not going to stop there. You know how many people have left and have stayed away because they say, oh, people are hypocrites. and Listen, get over it and grow up. Seriously, right? Get over it and let's move forward. I get it. We have, I have, I have failed so many times and I've said the wrong thing and I've done the wrong thing and, and, and I've had a, a justice consciousness and, and not a mercy consciousness, but I'm telling you, there is something that has been renewed in my mind. There's a transformation that's taken place and I'm beginning to realize the way that he sees me and the way that he sees you and it's through the lens of mercy. I, I just want to know. I just want to know. I want to know what the reality is of goodness and mercy following me all the days of my life. I have a Bible for that, that goodness and mercy would follow me all the days of my life. I want to know what that is. 
I want to know what the reality of his mercy and compassions are new every morning, according to Lamentations. I want to know the reality of that. I want to know the reality of James 2.13, that mercy triumphs over judgment. I want to know that. I want to know that reality. And here's what I want to tell you. A correct reality of mercy will cause you to walk in holiness in a way that your sacrifice never could. A correct reality of mercy will cause you to walk in a life of holiness like your sacrifice never could. Listen, we, we, we made holiness about sacrifice, about what you give up, about what you, uh, all, all of the stuff that we did, right? You can't wear makeup. Put on a jean skirt. Jesus' name, I'm glad some people put some makeup on. Hallelujah. <laughs> Listen, I can talk about that. I grew up in that mess. Put on your jean skirt and your kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We could go there. Yeah. We're not going to the movies. We'll go rent those nasty rated R things and watch them at the house, but we're not going to the movies. I better stop. I better stop. Listen, we had a justice consciousness and we didn't understand mercy. We were craving it. Oh, man, listen, we were craving it, but we didn't understand it. I want to declare to you today, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And I want to tell you that there's a real good chance that your view of God as judge is not his view of him as judge. I'm going to choose that he was one of the judges that delivered me out of the hand of the enemy. Amen? Is that all right? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your mercy that is chasing us down. Thank you that you never give up and that goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. God, I'm asking today for a revelation of mercy for your people that draws them closer to you. That they understand that it's your mercy, it's your Holy Spirit that brings them close, not their sacrifices. God, we do bring a sacrifice of praise, but obedience is greater than sacrifice. And so today we say we want to obey your words. And Jesus said that loving me empowers you to obey my commandments. And so God, we're asking for that today. A release of mercy over your people today. A release of mercy a release of the understanding and revelation of mercy that we would not live in delusions any longer that misrepresent your mercy because of our justice consciousness, but that you would release the power of your love in our lives. God, I pray that you would teach us to demonstrate mercy to our children. Teach us to demonstrate mercy to our spouses. Teach us to demonstrate mercy to those that we work with. Teach us to demonstrate mercy. Teach us to cover. Teach us to cover. You said that you desired mercy. You said you desired it. So God, we want to give you what you desire. We want to walk in love. We want to walk in practical Christianity, not theoretical Christianity. We actually want to do this stuff. 
We actually want to see it. God, I pray that you would give us compassion for those that are, that are blind, that you would give us compassion for those that are sick. It was your compassion that led you to heal them. It was your compassion that led you. God, I'm asking you to release your compassion on us. Release your compassion on your people right now. Come on, would you just, would you just tap into that? Listen, I know we're not dancing and jumping and running the aisles, but he's doing some stuff today. Jesus, would you just release your compassion to us? Release the power of your Holy Spirit. God, would you give us a real revelation of the mercy of God in our lives? Oh, God, we're not here because of what we did. We're not here because we were good enough. We're here because of your mercy. We're here because of your mercy. We're here, God, because of mercy. Jesus, we love you. We love you. Come on, would you just lift your voice right now? Just talk to him and tell him that you're thankful for mercy. Ask him for revelations of mercy. Ask him for the, his, his, his mercy to just reign over you. God, get us out of this justice consciousness and into your mercy, into the, the kingdom realities of who you are. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast from Awakening Church. You can find us online at awakeningky.com.